Hi, I'm Dan Hornberger, the host of Breaking Chains, the podcast that focuses on the grassroots of disc golf, the amateurs, the local clubs, the individuals who make a difference, and those who have had their lives changed because of the sport. I first met Brian Bockaton a few years ago at an event at Tyler State Park in Eastern Pennsylvania. He was the tournament director. His energy and enthusiasm were contagious. He just seemed to be so happy to help everyone else have a great time at the tournament. Brian's love for the sport and his desire to help other people have developed into a business called BS Bockington Upshot. Brian Bockington, my guest for this episode of Breaking Chains. Brian Bockington, thank you so much for being a guest on Breaking Chains. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So who is Brian Bockington? Um, I'm a gamer. I'm an analyst. Uh, born and raised from Belleville, Bloomfield, New Jersey. Currently living in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. MA40 slash rec player. And I love being outdoors. What are the local courses there? Tyler, Taminens, Mercer, Sedgley, Fort Washington are all easily gotten to from me. Mercer County Park in Jersey. Correct. It's just over the border. They had a beautiful tennis facility there. Yes, it's in another section of the park closer to the uh, college. They've done uh, wonderful things there. Oh, great. In your youth, did you play a lot of sports? I played all sorts of sports. I was into basketball in junior high school. Uh, I was on uh, varsity bowling uh, as well. I would play any sport or any game that I could get my hands on. So uh, I love sports. <laughs> so somewhere along the line, yes, you find this very odd sport that we love called disc golf. How did that happen? Uh, it was actually my love of outdoors. I was with my family at Tyler State Park. Saw this really wide path. So I just started walking up with my uh, family the wrong way up a fairway. Of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any clue of what these people were doing. It was uh, actually Tyler 13C walking the wrong way, of course, a blind shot. And I asked the guys, what are you doing? And they explained to me disc golf. They were very polite about it. And I always think back to that moment of I was just nobody walking the wrong way up the fairway. And their interaction with me made me want to play. The community is sort of like that. Don't you agree, Brian? Yes, it's, it's very nice, very opening and welcoming. So what, what happened after that? You just picked, you started buying some dicks? Uh, actually, I completely forgot about it for about two years. I was a Boy Scout leader on a hiking trip and I messed up my ankle with complete nerve damage. Oh, no. And I went to a physical therapist and he said, you ever hear about disc golf? I'm like, yeah, I remember what they were doing those other times. And he recommended that I do disc golf. He says, your ankle is completely messed up. You're not going to be able to do anything anyone else is doing. You're just going to stand still. And I was throwing like 200 strokes per round. I was miserable. But it got me outside and got me playing disc golf. I don't even know what the physical therapist was, but that was an awesome one and one equals two. Now, did you go back and play? What was the first, first course you played? Was it Tyler? It was Tyler because that was the only course I knew where it was. <laughs> that's, that's a tough course to start out on. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably played that course over 200 times now. <laughs> oh, wow. So what do you love most about the sport? It's actually the serenity and the quiet. And it's the rounds where you can play 18 holes with four guys and only... A dozen sentences were even said. 
It's that whole just being outside uh, with people in nature and hearing the birds and hearing the chains. I have to hear the chains and there's no too close for me to hear that chains. I want to, I want that Pablo effect hearing that chains going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a nice sound. (laughs) Yes. It's reinforcement. (laughs) We talked about some of the local courses. If, if folks now, what count is that? That's not Bucks County, right? I'm in lower Bucks County. Yes. So folks are coming into lower Bucks County. uh, What are the go-to courses? What would you recommend? I, for a new player, I would actually recommend Tamanind. And this is a nine hole course that my son actually put in as an Eagle service project. Oh, great. And it, it is designed specifically for new players to not take the game. Uh, he wanted to make <laughs> the game very reachable. But he did, definitely for the higher level players, he put a little challenge. The one branch in your way so the birdie's not easy. A 110-foot downhill shot that if you're going for the ace run, behind the basket's thorns. So you're not really going to have a putt if you're trying for the ace. That kind of stuff. So it, it's, I like Tamanin, and it's less than a mile walk from start to finish. And then of course, Tyler. Yes. Tyler, Tyler is the one I'm, I'm constantly at Tyler. Now, let me, let me ask you a little bit about the history of Tyler. Did that start out as a 36 hole course? Uh, it was an 18 hole course. When I first played it, it was a 27 hole course. Uh, then it got changed to a 36 hole course, which it's, Referred to now as East and West, East being 1 to 18, West being 19 through 36. Uh, then the Emerald Ash Borer came in and they cut down a thousand trees and redesign happened. And now there's a slightly different 36 at Tyler, which is uh, most of it's the same. I'd say probably about 20 of the holes didn't change, but a lot of the stuff on the West side are completely different. I love that course. It's, um, it's so beautiful. I like the... The sounds of the hawks and the owls I hear at the late night rounds and all. There's different sounds and I'm big on sounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. How many years into play? Well, how many years have you been playing? I think I'm about 13 years playing now. Oh, wow. And at what point did you decide to get involved with uh, the business side of it? You know, I talk about BS Bockington Upshot. How'd that begin? There's a little bit of history. I started out as just a casual player doing physical therapy. And once I can actually shoot under 100, I really, um, playing Tyler a lot, found out about the BCDGA and wanted to help them out. So I started just showing up and watching what people were doing. One thing led to another, and then I joined the BCDGA cabinet as fundraising coordinator, and I did that for a little bit. From there, I the person who was running summer leagues at Tyler was stepping down, so I ran summer leagues then for four years. Then my son with the Taminin, we built that. In doing the Taminin, we needed to raise money. So my son and I, we ran six different small fundraising events at six different courses, which was interesting learning what to do and what not to do in running things. One thing led to another. I started running other tournaments for the BCDGA. And then I became the president of the BCDGA, taking on all of that and everything Tyler, running a lot of tournaments and taking the BCDGA store all over the place, running tournaments at all different courses, making money for them. And then a couple of years ago, I decided I have relationships with many different people in many different clubs. So when elections came around for, for cabinet, I just decided not to run for anything, which means officially I don't hold any cabinet position anywhere, but I'm on good relations with many different clubs in the area. 
Hence, I formed BS Bockington Upshot. And I wanted it to be just pretty much continuing what I was doing, but not be affiliated with one club because I wanted the benefits of what I was doing to be for multiple clubs. Right. And one of the things I really want to do is, I, I call it put myself out of business. For example, for Fort Washington, I ran a tournament called Winter of Discontent. By the way, best name for any tournament ever. I, I love that one. So, <laughs> someone came up with it and I'm like, can I use that? Uh, ultimately, the cl- their club was really small when the first year I ran it. And I said, whenever you want to take over this event for me, feel free. I'll run it every year until you want to take it over and then they can take it over. And the same thing, I'm running an event at uh, Oki Wisting. I'm going to be doing that every year. Now, where's that? Uh, that's uh, Wildwood, South Jersey, in the corner over there. Oh, okay. Their club's not really set up to run tournaments, so I'll run the tournament until they are ready to run tournaments. And then, no hard feelings, take it over. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm just trying to run tournaments at places where people say, how come there's never a tournament at this place? Let's go back to the beginnings. When, when you started doing this, was there anyone there to provide guidance for you? Or did you just throw yourself in and learn from your mistakes? I, I'm a very much throw myself into the deep end and learn from my mistakes. I played a lot back then more than I TD'd. And what I was doing as an analyst, and I do this in life, is I was looking at all of the tournament directors and what do they do that I want to do? And reversely, what do they do that I don't want to do? So your JBs and your John Burkham's and your Mike Soltz and Jeff Golden's of the world and many, many more, I would see what they're doing and that I like to latch onto and what they're doing I don't want to do. It's, it's just different styles. Right. But I learned from all the tournament directors in the area. Each person runs it a little bit differently, so I try to take the best out of all of them. How many tournaments uh, in, in a normal year, this, you know, not this year, obviously, but in a normal year, how many tournaments do you run? Probably 10. And I probably show up to about 30 to 40 different events, including those 10 as with my store open as well. Yeah. And I want to talk about the store in a minute, but you currently have 11 players on Team Upshot. Talk about that. What that started with is when I was running events, I noticed there was a bunch of people who would always be helping me out in one way or another over many years. And what I wanted to do, if I have my own company and running my own business, I wanted to pay them back. And most of them are never going to accept stuff. So I made a deal with them and call them my team. They get free entry into all of my events. They get half price on everything that I sell. I give them shirts and stuff with my symbol on it. Let me, let me ask you about your symbol, your logo. It's, it's very reminiscent of a, a certain NBA team. Is that because you're a fan or is there another reason? It has nothing to do with that. My name is Brian Stephen Bockington, BS Bockington. I put myself through college selling shoes. So the BS then the bowl, you can figure out where that came from. I didn't know that. That is, that is so great. <laughs> and I, I want to know, Brian, what's this about selling shoes? I was a shoe salesman. That's how I put myself through college. Oh, wow. Where'd you go to school? Kane University. It was Kane College back then. Yeah. In Union, New Jersey. Yeah. Willowbrook Mall in Wayne, New Jersey. And back and forth. That was a long drive every day. Full-time job, full-time school, all at the same time. The goal of Breaking Chains is to grow the sport by presenting fellow disc golfers who have inspirational stories. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, send an email to rockfishproductions at gmail.com. Or you can contact me through the show's social media accounts. On Facebook, Breaking Chains, the podcast. 
Instagram is Breaking Chains DG. And Twitter is at BRKNGC. Check them out. And if you're so inclined, drop me a line or provide some feedback. I'd appreciate it. If you'd like to contribute to Breaking Chains, simply go to the show site, www.rockfishproductions.com, and click on the red button at the bottom of the page. This episode's guest is Brian Bockenton. In the show's second half, Brian talks about running Upshot's swap store and what's in store for him in the next few months. This is Breaking Chains. You also uh, run a shop, and is that considered part of the Upshot business, or is that just something separate? No, it's, it's part of the Upshot piece. It's my inventory that I use for all the events that I, I run the events, but it's also for any tournament director that I wants a shop set up at their event. I will make a deal with them and set up my shop for the entire event. I like playing in those events, so a lot of times I'm rushing you know, to play the event and to vend the event at the same time. Sometimes I can't, sometimes I can, but it, it gets me out there in front of people selling discs to people. I'm glad there's actually more and more places to buy discs, but there is a definite, always has been, since I've been doing it, a gap of people want to actually physically touch the disc. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's something about online, even looking at it, there's something holding it in your hand, like, yeah, this is the right plastic. Yeah, this is the right feel. And then you offer a trade. Yes. I'm actually, someone called me the disc swap guy. Uh, Several years ago, I was actually, one of the jobs I had at BCDGA for many years is I would contact every lost and found disc and try to get it back to them. And this started with, actually, I was at a Yetter way back when with Marie Fry just sitting there talking to her about how can someone help out. And she pulled out these, I think, four giant bins of discs that they had to contact people. And I offered to contact all of them. And then one day I contacted everyone. And I started from that point on maintaining the lost and found for many years, contacting people. And then I did went, well, what happens when the person never contacts us back? And it's a year later. At that point, the the club would sell the disc because the person either didn't contact us back or we just can't get in contact with them. So what do you do when you have somebody else's plastic for a year, which is very nice of you, by the way, I would think six months is the deadline. Yeah, it's, it's probably less than six months now. When I left, it was six months. So what happened is I started selling the used plastic and then people were like, oh, you're selling used plastic and you take used plastic. So I came up with the idea of you can swap in up to 10 discs. And I started learning about that. And I thought there was like two other people in the country who do something similar. And then it just kept growing and growing. Um, A lot of the swap stuff I do now, I actually put on eBay in giant lots to help people out. It has gone so big that on Saturday at the fishbowl, I swapped in 275 discs in one day. They're all sitting next to me. I'm still pricing them and picturing them. And so the next weekend, they'll be out for sale. Now explain what the fishbowl is, Brian. Uh, the fishbowl is, well, it's actually the Minnow Cup this year because of COVID-19. It is a charity event that the Sellersville Club runs to help raise money for Pennington Fish, which is um, feeding people in that area. Oh, that's great. And that was this past Saturday, right? That was this past Saturday, yes. Yeah. This past Sunday, then you went to Tyler and set up the shop there as well, right? Yes. That was just, I was actually, it was all still in my car and I just figured this unloaded there and I was organizing there and Probably about 80 different people showed up just 
because I was there all morning buying stuff. Your inventory. How many discs do you have? Uh, right now, probably 2,000. Brian, you need a bigger car. <laughs> I can't bring all 2,000 each time. So I, <laughs> before I go out each weekend, I'm going like, I, I got a box where I probably have 20 DX destroyers. I'll bring two of them. I've helped pack your car before, and I thought, well, how does he get everything in here? <laughs> you need sort of like a semi. <laughs> I have very good spatial skills, <laughs> which I have had jobs packing trucks and unpacking trucks and warehouse work and making things fit. So I've got experience in that as well. Brian, one of the first tournaments I ever entered, it was called the Tyler A-Holes Tournament, which another great name, by the way. But I had such a great time. And I remember the players pack was just phenomenal. Tyler A-Holes, yes. Started with the first year we, I, I ran the Tyler A-Holes. It's actually that year that Tyler, we ran a C-pin challenge where all the baskets were in C-position. Uh, Rick Sassman ran a B-cause, which was a charity event, which everything was in the B-position. And then I said, well, why can't we run an event where everything's easy? And the <laughs> then my wife says, yeah, just call it A-Holes. I said, I love that name. And I, I tried to do it with very tongue-in-cheek with everything else with just to have fun. My players pack for that event is four different items, a tchotchke, a regular, an average, and a premium, which is C-R-A-P, and that's your players pack. (laughs) (laughs) That's unbelievably great. That is so well done. Fun with it, and it's it's like a $3 item, an $8 item, like a $10 item and like a $20 item. Yeah, it's it's such a great it's so generous. And how do you get how do you accumulate all this stuff? I actually shop in multiple vendors all over the place and whenever I'm ordering let's say dynamic disc, I look at their what do they have also that's, you know, the cheaper stuff and I'm like, "All right, give me a few of those, give me a few of those." I also try to any local person in the area who's making stuff I buy from all of them to, you know, to help them out, local business, you know, your Phoenix discs, your birdie discs, your anyone else that I can, who makes stuff in the area, I'll buy some of their stuff. Yeah, it's really important, I think, to do that. Yeah, my big vendor is uh, Proactive Sports. They've got a huge minimum, but that's where I get all my water bottles and towels and umbrellas and all that kind of stuff with my logo on it. So once a year, I'll just, I know it sounds crazy, I'll order $8,000 worth of stuff from them. Now, this isn't, this isn't your full-time job. Not at all. Now, my full-time is I'm a database administrator, database manager. Currently, with COVID-19, I'm unemployed, but eh, I'll find something. Okay, once all this, this uh, virus stuff goes by and we get back to normal, hopefully, what, what's on the horizon? Right now, I just want to actually increase the number of people who are on my team, increase the number of events that I'm doing. I was hopefully want to get into a plan of Lost and found returns, kind of like if your disc gets lost at Tyler and you're a Sedgley player, to get it to Sedgley lost and found. I want to try to facilitate something like that in the area. Okay. Anything to help the overall disc golf community grow. And I try to do the things that no one really is thinking about. And that's why I'm doing the disc swap, because no one else does anything like that. Yeah, well, I do know Bill Geibel does it out of laughs. They do it. But you're you're right. I, I don't know anybody else who does do it outside of the two of you guys. And, and I'll tell you what, that's a huge draw, I think. If people can show up at a league night or at a tournament and have the ability to turn in old discs and turn them into a new disc or a used disc that they really want, I, I think that's huge. You know, there's a lot of discs that you can't get new anymore because they don't make it anymore. Yeah. And I get a lot of weird stuff. I currently have 
I don't know, about 100 vintage Discraft things that I need to post. All, all the really old stuff. So what's the best part of running Upshot? Uh, the best part is all the community. It, it really is a community uniting and getting the results at the end and people saying, thank you for running stuff. Just like next month, I'm running a Tyler event. It's because people are looking for an event. So I'm like, I can run a small event on Tyler and my small event already has 95 people registered. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. What's that? What's that event? That's Tyler Tea Times. I just said, you know, put four people starting at 8, 10 in the morning and have them go through all 36 holes. And I figured four people, 8, 10 through noon, that's 96 people. Yeah. Four people every 10 minutes. And are you going to put a ceiling on that? Yeah, it's at, at 96. Because at that point, if you're playing both, your last card leaves at hole one at noon. They probably should finish all 36 with a lunch break. Yeah, just right as the sun setting. Okay. Now, as a player, what do, what do you? What's on the horizon? I want to play as much as I TD. <laughs> it is my kind of my balance. So if I run ten events, I want to play ten events. And I do. There's certain events slash courses that I definitely will draw me. I definitely want to be there. Depending whoever else. It's like I just signed up for something in South Hills. This because I played the course once. I loved it, and I want to an excuse to go back for me. That's like an hour and 40 minute drive. Yeah. I actually went on a quest way back for, I call it a quest to play every course within 60 miles of my house. And I have actually done that. Nice. Which is uh, no matter how good or bad anyone says I have played it. (laughs) 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 Ones that haven't been maintained in years. What are your favorites? Favorites is really like outside of the local ones. uh, I love Akron though. With the Roland park. I, that was, that was a really good one. I love the one in South Delaware on the beach. That is awesome, isn't it? Different with the sand and you have no run up for anything. It's I, I like it. It had a very high what I call fun factor. That's Cape Henlopen. That's it. Cape Henlopen. Yeah. I mean, that, that was an, an awesome one. There was, I mean, besides Tyler, which I, I absolutely love and Stafford, which is just always awesome. And Iron Hill, I've played Iron Hill three times now and it beats me up, but it is such a well-designed, well-maintained course. I love that one. For me, as a rec level player, I can definitely shoot plus seventeen and feel really good about myself. I don't, I don't care what my score was. It was well designed. It was, you know, it was just me not being as good as what well. <laughs> can be. That doesn't take away from it's still a great course. Absolutely, yeah. That's a great mindset, by the way, too, Brian. What are the biggest challenges of running of running upshot? Of uh, finding the time balance between everything else I've committed to, <laughs> you know, family work disc golf, everything else, and finding the little times. At events, it's more of a lot of people ask when you're at an event and you need stuff, kind of how can I help? I'm like, could have you asked two hours ago so I can have the time to explain what I need? Because stopping during an event is very rough for any TD. I mean, especially like the in-between rounds and the, what, the one-hour blitz when everyone comes in is an insane amount of work that it... If you can just have someone doing one little thing, it's so easy. And that's why I created a team because they already know, you know, you're in charge of CTP stuff. You're in charge of merchandise. You're in charge of, you know, verifying scorecards. You don't have to say anything. It just gets done, which is awesome. Yeah. So during the week, are you able to squeeze in some rounds? Uh, Yes. I've actually been playing more doubles and tags at different places, which part of what I do is I actually post uh, on Facebook albums all of my discs with prices, and I will deliver to local courses, uh, specifically, where's doubles or tags in your area? 
like yesterday, I went to Mercer and played Pags and probably delivered 30 discs. And tomorrow I'm going to Tyler. Uh, they're having Pags tomorrow, and I'm probably going to deliver another 40 discs tomorrow. How has disc golf changed your life? I'm a very obsessive person, so it has given me a new obsession because I go 100% into everything. And it combined my love of the outdoors and my love of games because I'm definitely a gamer with anything that's a game. Sounds great. And this is challenging yourself plus being outdoors. That's awesome. That, my friends, is the signal for the rapid fire round. To conclude each episode of Breaking Chains, I'll fire random questions at my guests. Some of the questions will be disc golf related, others not so much. Okay, Brian, here we go. One disc that will never make it into your bag. Uh, Groove. (laughs) Why is is that? The Groove is a miserable disc. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite restaurant. Favorite restaurant is probably uh, the Bearded Clam in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I go there, I look good. it's a little dive in an alley, but it's a great place. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Favorite all-time disc golf hole? Favorite all-time disc golf hole would probably be Tyler Hole 9 in the seat position. A driver mid-range putter tournament. Only three discs. What are your choices? AVR, Tursus, Northman. What's one disc that you lost that you wish you still had? None. Discs come in and out of me all the time. <laughs> I, guess it, I guess you have your, your pick of the crop. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite musician or band? Probably Queen. You and I share an affinity for the Alien franchise. Oh, yeah. Meaning the movies and the books. Which film is your favorite and why? Probably the very first Alien movie because it wasn't as graphic. It was more cerebral. Yep, because that's a horror film. Yes. And the second one is a war film, which I love. I love them. And then there's a big drop off after that. But yeah, we'll talk about more about that later at another time. Worst weather conditions in which you played? I played a tournament up at Camp Goal where it was 35 degrees and a downpour and I didn't have any... I wasn't prepared at all. And the middle way through the second round, I left because I stopped being cold. And that's hypothermia. (laughs) (laughs) My only DNF ever. If you could make up one name for a disc, what would it be? Butter. Butter. (laughs) Butter. (laughs) If you could play a round of disc golf with any person, dead or alive, whom would you pick? Nate Sexton. Brian Bakkenden, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That wraps up this episode of Breaking Chains. I want to give a big thanks to Brian Bockenton. You can find out more about Brian and BS Bockenton Upshot on the Breaking Chains website, www.rockfishproductions.com. Kevin McLeod wrote and performed the show's theme, Unwritten Return, and Big Rock. The music at the break, Positive Indie Folk Rock, was written and performed by Azov Music. This podcast is copyrighted by Rockfish Productions, LLC. (laughs) 